another week of Megashing, your podcast um, for gay and geeky things told from a Black geek's perspective. Today, it's just me. Nick is traveling for work. I think he's in Texas. Um, so I'm going to be with you today just to talk through what has happened within the last couple of weeks. So, so far, um, we've had two episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier. And we got the drop, the new um, series on Amazon Prime Video called Them. So I'm going to talk a little bit about both of those today. So let's get started. I hope y'all had a good week. It's been kind of a tricky week around here um, as we are slowly opening up and getting back to normal. Um, but me, I'm a little concerned um, as we are, you know, opening more of the gyms and the restaurants and inside eating, but we are getting vaccinated. Um, and a lot of us are vaccinated now in Los Angeles. So it's, it's a good thing, but still I'm gonna be a little cautious. But again, I hope y'all had a good week. Now let's get into the team. So if you've been watching Falcon and Winter Soldier, it has really been a very interesting series. Um, it's only six episodes and we are on um, episode four this week. So what has happened beforehand, we have seen um, just a lot that's happening. We've, we're using Zemo dance. <laughs> we also got Sharon back in the foe, Sharon Carter, who if y'all remember, she was in um, Captain America Winter Soldier as well as Civil War. And we learned that afterwards, after everything that happened in Civil War, she really got like lost in the files. Basically, she didn't get the immunity as some of the others did. She was basically exiled. So she found her way to Mandarpore. Now, if you are not familiar with Mandarpore, Mandarpore is that um, crime island, basically. Now, if you read the comics, it's always mentioned, especially when it comes to Wolverine. And he's patched when he's over there. Um, but there is a very powerful crime syndicate that is really running that area. In fact, um, Viper, if you do read the comics, Viper or um, Lady Hydra, she has many names. She was running that uh, area for a long time. Um, and also we've seen Madripoor in the X-Men, we've seen it in the Mutants, we've seen it in a lot of Marvel comics over the years. But in the last episode, we had Bucky and Sam, they went over to Madripoor with Zemo to find out more information about the serum who was making it. After we learned about that, we saw that Zemo took a lot of matters in his own hands, which kind of left our heroes running and trying to figure out their next move. Meanwhile, um, John Walker, who is the current Captain America, um, is just growing very agitated because in a lot of ways he wants to be leading the missions, he wants to be in charge, and he's been happened to, he's been having to take a second seat or a back seat to so many things that are happening. So in this latest episode, everything comes to a head. There was a lot that happened in this episode, um, which made it a very good one. And if you are fans of the Dora Milaje, we got to see them again. And we saw Io at the end of episode three. But this time we got to understand a little bit more as what happened. So let's kind of go through it. So in the beginning of the episode, we are we flashed back six years ago when Bucky was still at Wakanda. And at the time they were working on his programming. Now, he, as y'all remember in Winter Soldier, he was kind of programmed by Hydra to be this 
this super, you know, assassin. And so therefore they were deprogramming him from that, giving him a new arm, you know, really kind of basically getting him through physical and mental therapy, um, getting his life back on track. And Ayo was very pivotal towards that. She did a lot of work to really help him get there. And so we see a scene where she is reading the special words that basically activates the Winter Soldier. Um, Bucky doubts that, but as she continues to, to read off the words, he learns that the, the programming that they have initiated on him and what have you worked. So he was free. He was totally free and it was a good moment to see. But we flash back to now to where Io is in Madripoor and she is not really happy. Um, well, not, they're not in Madripoor, I'm sorry. They are now, you know, in a different space where they're basically in the area of, uh, of Baron Zemo where he's been known to be at because he has his own place. So um, they're talking about the fact that Zemo is with Bucky and Sam and she's not happy with that because if y'all remember, um, Zemo is responsible for the death of the king of Wakanda. So if y'all remember that, it was his fault. He orchestrated all of that um, with civil war. So she's not happy about that. But, you know, one of the things that um, Bucky mentions is he's a means to an end. <clears throat> and I feel like that was kind of the theme of this episode was a means to an end. Um, and we saw a lot of that throughout um, this episode. So she tells him that basically you have eight hours to get it together and we're coming or we're going to come for Zemo. Um, and he understands that, but they still have a mission to accomplish. They're trying to find out more about where Carly and some of the other um, flag stompers, you know, what are they doing? That's not really their names, but that's what I kind of call um, But they are there to pay their respects to Donia. Uh, a woman who was very important in their lives. And so they try to figure out they need to really reach them, especially Carly. Carly is their leader. And Sam realizes that in a lot of ways, he understands where she's coming from. And they talk about that throughout the episode because again, he has worked with um, a lot of people who went through drama, especially if they are uh, military. So he feels like he's the right person to really get in there and really work with Carly to kind of get them to de-escalate what they're doing because they've already killed people for their cause. So he's trying to get her before she goes too far at the end. Now, Zemo has his own agenda. We don't really know what that is right now, but we do know that he's really trying to destroy um, the serum. He does not want it on the market. Now, part of me is thinking that he may want to, to deal with he doesn't want, he wants to be the one that's dealing out this serum. He doesn't want anybody else to have this opportunity to do so. It takes money and power away from him. He talks about leverage in this episode. So he's trying to keep all the leverage that he has. Um, and with that said, he is working very closely with the people and mostly the kids. He pulled out some Turkish delight to get the kids to kind of work with him or one particular kid to kind of show um, everyone where um, they're holding kind of the, the funeral for 
um, Donia. Now, the interesting thing is, um, I mentioned this on another podcast, but the Turkish Delight was very interesting to watch because the way he used that candy to get the kids, especially the young girl, is the way the White Witch used um, Turkish Delight to get Edmund to reveal everything that she needed to know about where the line was, where the kids were, and everything so she could attack the lion and basically kill him to, to rule. Nania. So it was kind of interesting to see that. And I kind of saw that the, the, the lines crossed with that. So I thought that was really neat. Um, so they do, um, Sam gets a chance to talk with Carly and really try to de-escalate the situation. But we do have, you know, Captain America, AKA Walker, um, infiltrate and really cause problems to where it kind of blows that whole plan. Now, as we are watching Walker, he is beginning just to really feel inferior. And we were seeing a little bit of that kind of grow throughout these episodes, but we were really seeing a lot of it happen because, you know, as the role of Captain America, there is a lot of pressure. I can imagine there's a lot of pressure being in the role that, you know, Steve did so well. And so he's trying to do what's best. Um, but again, he is not in control. And I think that really bothers him. And you really see that. Now they are, you know, back in um, nice, pretty apartment of Zemo's and the Dora Milaje enters and they're coming for Zemo. But Captain America, you know, he's trying to be like, no, no, I'm in charge, you know, I'm Captain America, I'm, I can handle this, basically, and that kind of fails. Um, they kick his ass, and it is a beautiful, beautiful battle. I have to say, if you watch it, it's a little bit over a minute, but within that minute, they take him down, and that one, you know, that one line, he was like, they're not even super powered, um, really just kind of hit him hard. Now, I'm gonna jump back, because I forgot to mention that when um, they were dealing with Carly, um, Zemo was shooting at her and he did shoot her and she dropped all of the, the vials that had the serum in it. Um, so he destroyed them all. But one was rolled under like a couple of blocks or what have you and Captain America found it and put it in his pocket. So that is very pivotal because again, he's been weighing on the fact that if he had a super serum, what could he do? And also what was a What's interesting about the episode is they talk about, you know, having that power. What does that power mean? Does power corrupt? Does it make you a better person? Does it actually show you the true person inside? So that was also a very interesting theme that we were seeing throughout this entire episode. Now, jumping back once, you know, he got his ass beat by Dora Milaje, um, he is really crushed. And, you know, I didn't mind that. I'm glad that he got his ego crushed but it was very interesting to watch because you realize that not only that he he's been he's got his ass served by women of color throughout this episode but the two people he didn't even want to see that he doesn't want them to see him fail watch him get his ass kicked and to have sam and bucky really watch that i'm sure just did nothing towards his ego so the next thing you know um once that was done um there's a conversation between um, John and Lamar. Lamar is Battlestar, his uh, companion, um, about you know taking the serum and what does that mean? And again, throughout this episode, the question is asked, would you take the serum if you could? Now, Sam said no, but 
Um, Lamar says, yeah, he will take it if he has a chance. Captain America is still thinking that through and what does that really mean for him? And does that change any principles that he did have at the time? So we see this conversation between Lamar and uh, John. And then the next thing you know, um, there's another attack with um, Carly and her crew. Um, and they're trying, again, trying to stop them from doing any more harm. Now, the interesting thing is jumping back to the conversation that Carly and Sam had earlier, um, he, he gets her saying things that really, she doesn't really mean and she doesn't really want to go down this path, but in order to free people, to help people, she's willing to do whatever she needs to do. And I think sometimes as a hero, many of them struggle with what is the right way of doing things and how far do you need to go? And if there is a line, you don't cross it, but if you need to cross that line, do you do it? And so you get a little, you get, you get a little bit of, a, of, you know, some issues between Carly and Cap because she, doesn't really want to cross that line, but she would do it if she needs to. Cap is in that same way. Does he need to do what he needs to do to, to, you know, to win the day? And the interesting thing about the conversation he was having with Lamar was the fact that they talk about everything they did to get those medals. Some of it was good, some of it was not. So they know how to go to the limits if they need to. But in this episode, he takes that serum and it, it just really changes him from, you know, Captain America to someone totally different to the point that he ends up killing um, one of Carly's men. Um, he kills him in front of many people. So it's recorded, everybody's watching it, it's live. Um, and just that scene alone was just very um, harrowing to watch. Um, it was kind of, you know, interesting because Cap would have never done that. Cap stops himself. Um, before he even gets to that level. And so he's now presenting a different Captain America. But my question is, will America accept that? Now, some of you will say, no, nah, they wouldn't dare do that. But, you know, current times, you know, they probably would. And, you know, we'll see what how that plays out in the next episode. Now, again, as I mentioned, there's only six episodes. So we are we're getting close to the end. So I am very excited to see what happens um, going forward. Now, if you're interested in any of the things I've, you know, of the characters, for example, if you wanna know a little bit more about, you know, John Walker, his first appearance was in Captain America um, 323. And that was back in 1986. So, you know, I know some of you may not have been born. I was 12. Um, but um, that's when he made a first appearance at first appearance as Super Patriot and then Captain America and Captain America 333. So that was very interesting to see as well. And then he became the US agent, which um, happens in Captain America 354. Um, now, Baron Zemo has had a very interesting life in comics. Um, not only um, is he really kicking ass in here, but he's also was responsible for the Thunderbolts. So if you want to learn a lot more about Captain Zemo, um, he, I mean, Captain Zemo, <laughs> Baron Zemo, <clears throat> he is pretty much all through um, the Marvel Universe. And he um, has played 
a role in so many different things. So if you're very interested in Zemo, um, you can try to, you know, find a kind of a graphic novel that has Avengers 4, which is back in March of 1964. <laughs> and if you want to know more about what else and things he's done, um, you know, kind of go through that. Um, you can see a little bit more about him, how he's played a role in Hydra, um, how he played a role in Thunderbolts. Um, and if you're interested in Thunderbolts, that's somewhat current. Um, they started way back um, in Incredible Hulk 449 um, back in 1997. And then they had their own comics slightly after. So, you know, there's a lot you can kind of get into if you're very interested in those characters. Um, and because in a lot of ways, you know, Zemo is a very smart villain. Um, and as you see, he's telling them all about different things. And one of the interesting conversations was about supremacy. Um, now, Hydra is basically the Nazis and, you know, they're one and the same. So to hear him talk about it was fascinating. But at the same time, it did kind of set the tone of what happens when you do get certain powers, how it gives you a different um, complex that you're different from other people. And we see that conversation happens a lot in the X-Men. Also in some of the pages of Avengers, they talk about, you know, power. But, you know, the good old fashioned storyline of power and responsibility always comes from Spider-Man. When you remember um, Uncle Ben telling um, Peter that, you know, a great power comes responsibility. So that was kind of the theme of looking at this episode. So if you get a chance to check it out, please do. I kind of butchered it in a lot of ways, but I really want you to get the idea of how this episode was great. And Adora Milaje, I have to say they need their own series. This was a very strong, powerful episode um, where we got to really see them um, kick ass, but also really get to hear I.O. really talk and you get to know a bit more about her as a character and the fact that she is trusted with Bucky, knowing that if he would have lost it, you know, if he went back to being the Winter Soldier, he would have been a, a, a dangerous threat. So they put her in charge of him, you know, and they knowing that she can handle him if she needs to. And also kind of kind of threw out there that basically they could take Cap down if they needed to. So, you know, you know, Dolomilaje is no joke. And so that was just a great, <laughs> a great scene just to watch because it was just like, wow, you know, they are no joke. You see why they are important to all the stories. You see why, um, you know, I was put in charge of Bucky. If you're curious about learning more about the Dora Milaje, you can kind of check out Black Panther, the third volume because it's been different ones throughout the years third volume um in the first um comic so you can kind of that first issue that came out in 1998 so if you have a chance to kind of check out some uh graphic novels or if you want to go out there and get the original one go out there and get it um to kind of follow through with their story and there and they will have separate stories um moving forward within the comics throughout the years but yeah please check them out um, and hopefully y'all caught up because this series is getting really good. Again, we only have two episodes, so make sure you're, you're checking those out. Now I'm going to kind of switch gears and talk about them. So them is a brand new anthology series, um, that, um, was written by and created by, um, Little Marvin and executive produced by Lena Waite. Now, 
we saw kind of the trailer for where, you know, there was a person in blackface. We had a, you know, even the same actress that was the, the young girl and us in this series. And we kind of saw that it's gonna affect, it's gonna really involve a black family that, um, you know, are moving from North Carolina to um, East Compton. So if you didn't know, East Compton used to be a very white space before it's now <laughs> uh, predominantly black and Latino. Um, but, um, it, you know, beforehand it was a very white space. Um, and so what we get is this family is moving cross country to start over again. We see a little bit of this um, of what the life they had in, in North Carolina beforehand. And the mother, who's lucky, um, faced some issues because of their son. There was uh, a white woman led by, you know, who led three other guys to come in and basically sexual harass um, or sexually assault and um, steal the baby. Um, and then we kind of fast forward into the moving to California. So as we are watching the series, it really gets more into um, the family dealing with racism, dealing with their own inner demons um, as they move into this house. And it's 10 episodes that, for me, I just had a problem with it. I had a problem with it. I didn't like the fact they talked, they, they basically did a lot of I wouldn't say talk, they, you know, really, really played a, played a lot on the black drama porn, you know, showing our plight, showing all the things we've been through, racism, lynchings, everything you can possibly think of, or you could think of is in this, is totally in this. So it is not um, anything that, that kind of gave me horror, it kind of gave me more of drama, if anything. And it just wasn't really anything that I felt that, that we needed to see because we live that every day as black people. We know this type of stuff exists. It's, it's interesting because I was reading an interview from little Marvin and he talks about how he wanted to show the truth of racism and the terrors of it. I'm like, we already know the terrors of it. You're basically showing this to white people. This is not really for us, you know? And, and Throughout the weekend, you know, there's been a lot of opinions. There's a lot of mixed reviews. I've seen a lot of negative reviews about this because it really, really just put that whole black torture porn up there to the highest. Um, and it just got to a point where I was like, what is the story? What is really going on here? Um, it, I just didn't really get um, the point of why we were seeing all of this to basically tell us that there is a uh, evil presence within the house. Um, and we've seen, you know, you know, American Horror Story, Amityville Horror Films, that kind of talk about the evil in the house. We could have kept that same formula. We don't have to always jump to black torture porn as a form of horror. That is kind of a lazy way of putting us in those type of stories. To be honest, um, we as black creators could actually tell a horror, a horror story with black people in it. Um, and you know, think about it, a black Sidney Prescott, a black Laurie Stroh, you know, th those type of stories. You don't have to go into, you know, kind of the horrors of being black. It's just more of just having black people in the stories. So 
I just didn't really feel this this series. And again, I watched all 10 episodes and I just felt a little empty and a little just worn out by all of the torture porn that's in it. Now, I that, this is just, just for me, this is what I got from it. You make it something totally different. But I just did not really feel that this was really a series for us. And I feel like it could have been done a whole different way. And we'll probably come back and revisit this and talk more about the episodes at another time. But I just wanted to give my quick review of it that I just feel like it was just too much that didn't need to happen to tell us that there was an evil presence in the house. Even that story about what the evil presence is was just too much. <laughs> just too much. And I just found myself like, what, what do we get here? Now, the reason why this series is getting a lot of it's a lot of slack is the fact that one, um, it is using a lot of black torture porn, but a lot of the writers were white, a lot of the producers were white. So it made you really think like if they were telling a story, you know, again, who were they making this for? And I get that you want to make it for everybody. Everything can be just for us, but at the same time, it, 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 I just think there was no care involved with this. I didn't think there was anything um, that no one reached out and said, hey, this might be too much. This may be too you know, crazy for right now. And, and keep in mind, this is released after George Floyd, after all the other things that we dealt with with Black Lives Matter and, and, and some of and the deaths that we dealt with that. But this is also dropped in the middle of um, the, the, the trial where we are we're trying to you know deal with aftermath of what happened to George Floyd. So this is all in the midst of that. So I know I a lot of people are very triggered or very uh, upset about what, what this series is about. Now this is an anthology series so hopefully it'll be something different next time but this just kind of turned me off from wanting to even care about what happens next because there were so many ways they could have went with this but they really didn't go there. So um, you know, I invite y'all to check out the series for yourself, make your own judgments, and we would love to hear what you think. Because again, this was something that I don't know if we really needed. I really don't. All right, so that's pretty much it for this week. Um, oh, I want to pose something out to you. We just tweeted this out earlier, but going back to Falcon and Winter Soldier, I'm very curious to know who is the power broker. Now, I put up four different people um, that it could possibly be um, using my comic book nerdiness. Um, it could be Viper, since Viper has a lot to do with these type of things. Um, Sharon, this, this could be a role that she's playing because you think about it, she was kind of abandoned by S.H.I.E.L.D., the Avengers, everyone. So this could be her way of kind of getting back at the system. Um, this could be also Nathan Essex, otherwise known as Mr. Sinister. Why? Because this involves a super serum that plays with people's DNA and he loves playing with people's DNA. So this is, this is really up his alley. Knowing Mr. Sinister, this is something that I could see him really really get himself involved with really you know finding his his niche here by trying to figure out you know ways that he could you know really play with people's uh 
DNA powers, what have you. This is really right up his alley. So it could be, it could be um, him or it could be Sebastian Shaw. Now, I know we've been talking about how you can introduce mutants and this is how you can do it because this is also in Sebastian Shaw wheelhouse. This meddling in different countries or playing roles in different powers and all that greatness. He was responsible for the Sentinel program really taking off again at one point in the X-Men comics. So this could be something that could be in his wheelhouse. It also could be something, a way to introduce um, mutants into the MCU. I don't know. I, you know me. I like to just play the conspiracy game. So just do it out there and, you know, please let us know who you think it could be. But those are the four options, I think. Um, could actually be the power broker. It could be somebody totally different. In the comics, it is, but it's kind of different people. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Um, so yeah, that is pretty much this week. It's short and sweet, but we just wanted to give you something until we are back again. Um, but you know, if you like what you hear, you know, go to iTunes, go to Apple, go to all the places that we are, and give us a five star rating. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram. Basically, by just googling Megashin, you can find us there. Um, you can find Nick. Uh, I am Nikki P. Um, and you can on Twitter. You can find me, um, Wonder Man Five. Forget who I was um, on Twitter as well. So we are there. So check us out. And again, we hope to see you soon. <laughs>